This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick the two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1 800 889 9789. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena. And with me is my buddy, you know him, you love him, Scott Chu. How's it going there, Scott? You know, not not too bad. I've got uh, this this great drink I found at Seven Eleven. Well, actually, it's Speedway around here, but it's Blue Raspberry. Learned a lot about Blue Raspberry yesterday. Trying to figure out why they made it blue. Hmm. Long story short, the color they used to use for raspberry was called Red Number Two, and they found out it gave a bunch of people cancer, and the oh, body boy. doesn't actually digest it at all. At the same time that the government was willing to ban Red Number Two. A color had been invented called blue number one. It was a color in search of a flavor. So they just gave it to raspberry. That's Interesting. It. Yeah. That's... There's no actual, because obviously there's no blue raspberries, right? It's not like, right. oh man, they made this with fresh blue raspberries like they have on grandma's farm, right? Mm. Like that doesn't happen. So yeah, it's, it's basically just like really fortunate timing for this color of blue that was invented back in like 1930 something. Wow, I love it. You never know what you're going to learn on this podcast. So it's Not a just baseball. It, exactly, exactly, <laughs> right? So this is kind of like a uh, sport drink, like a Gatorade kind of knockoff. Yeah, yeah, knockoff knock yeah. Gatorade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it delicious? It, it's pretty good. I don't okay, know why I was like good. showing it to the camera like yeah, this. Yeah, I know. Just I, wish we, I wish we had this some video. This is not a visual medium. Because yeah. if we had video, we, we could, are. you know, take a look at your uh, the dinosaur shirt too as well and your nice cough oh, yeah. of we'll, uh, we'll red hair. Like, people can't miss this kind of content seeing mm. this 7-Eleven blue raspberry drink like that. Mm. That's why we need the video. All right. I, I got to go get me some. So, uh, and that's interesting because you're right. Yeah, raspberries, I eat them. They're red, you know, in nature. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, the flavor for raspberry, for artificial raspberry, is generally a blend of cherry, banana, and pineapple. Hmm. Well, you really that's did. Why, you re- what, what happened? You, you bought this drink never... and you went to Wikipedia? I mean, I, I went all over <laughs> where'd the Where'd you internet. get all this? <laughs> where'd you get all this, this information? Ooh. The World Wide Web is an amazing place, Joe. I know, I know, I know. Awesome. And, and you know, I, I grew up, I'm old, so uh, my World Wide Web was, uh, you know, like 24 volumes of the World Book Encyclopedia. It, it, and now it's like incredible, all the information that we have at our fingertips. So incredible. So awesome stuff. And, and uh, 
yeah, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to try that. So you, you've, you've convinced me. Actually, they should be paying us. Who, who's this? Uh, they should be paying us for uh, ad time. Seven Eleven. We spent like, you know, almost three minutes. No, not Seven Eleven. The, the drink itself. What's oh, it called? Yeah, it's by Seven Eleven. Oh, it is. It's a Seven Eleven brand. Yeah. Yeah. What? They got their own brand now. Interesting. Good for them. All right. Well, uh, so glad to see that you're, uh, you know, recharging yourself with, with that you know, refreshing drink, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not very happy. You see what my Yankees are, are doing. Uh, and, and MLB metrics put out a, a stat where Julio Rodriguez in his last four games has 17 hits. The Yankees in their last four games have 17 hits. They're just collapsing. <laughs> Scott. So it's very sad, very sad. And, you know, listening to sports radio here in New York, uh, uh, it seems that Aaron Boone, their manager is going to be the scapegoat and, uh, tons of callers also want Brian Cashman, uh, GM to go, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad time here for baseball in New York. And then you have on the Mets side and, you know, I guess it's fantasy related because he's so, um, you know, widely known and, and, and so productive. Pete Alonso is getting a lot of grief, uh, and trying to, you know, implicate him as being, you know, responsible for some of the toxic atmosphere in the Mets clubhouse. But I mean, the guy's producing, so I, I didn't like what he did. And we're going to talk about uh, Mason Wynn in a few minutes. The, the other night, Mason Wynn got uh, his first hit. It was an infield single, I think. And, and, and Alonso just took it and just winged it into the stands. <laughs> yeah. You know, to his credit, he did come out. He apologized. He said he didn't know. And I believe him, right? Like, okay. He, yeah, I'm sure it's not up to him to keep track of everyone on like every other player on the other team, whether it's their first hit or not. Right. 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 Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, he's they they play countless games every other time that he's done that. It's been fine. Right. Right. right? Like, mm-hmm. like normally some dude hits it, you throw it away. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll, you know, he, he talked to win personally. He's apologized. Time. I'll give him credit for that. Although quite frankly, the reason likely for a toxic act atmosphere is that they're losing. That right? hurts, like, right? They, that they, had, they had big <laughs> expectations coming into the year. They sold off everything. Like it's not Pete Alonso's fault. They're losing. Correct. Right? Like yeah. that's, I mean, just like, just like with the Yankees, like I'm sure it's not that fun in the clubhouse right now, but also, mm-hmm. you know, as much as you want to get rid of the manager, look at this roster. Yeah. Right. Like where, yes. where, where are the wins supposed to come from? Exactly. Take a look at the lineup that they put out every day. Uh, too many guys, batting below 230 uh stanton we've we've talked about uh often in this podcast batting 199 i think he struck out three times yesterday can't run to first can't run um the only thing they have going for them is aaron judge and you know you could pitch around him of course because he's uh basically their offense. why why not right like yeah. dj yeah. lemayhew right now is the leadoff man the last couple of days mm-hmm. he's no good he's 35 jake right. bowers every other day bats like third or fourth for right. this team he's jake, even jake batted bowers. leadoff i believe in, in the as well <laughs> yeah isaiah kiner falefa is like batting fifth now right. he was leading off he's batting fifth now isaiah kiner falefa is a guy like they tried so hard not to have him be a starter for them right the yankees right. They mm-hmm. desperately wanted anyone else mm-hmm. and they're stuck with like they're stuck with him now. And like, yeah. is there a future for this team? Sure. Anthony Volpe shows like spurts here and there, Just uh, but he's a young porn. player. Mm-hmm. In- inconsistency is to be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the rest of these pieces, like Harrison Bader, isn't the, isn't a kind of guy who's going to give us like a lot more 
than he's shown us already, right? Guy's 29. Not saying he's cer- he's certainly not toast, but there probably isn't another level to his game. Isaiah Connor Falefa is what he is. Um, Giancarlo Stanton can't stay healthy and is getting older, and players like him don't tend to age super well. Right. Right. DJ LeMayhew, 35, like surprised he's even still in the league. Um, th- th- this team has it's the fighting Aaron Judges and Garrett Coles. Yeah. Like that's I this think, whole team. Thank goodness for the Oakland A's because uh, the Yankees, I think, have the second lowest team batting average other than the A's, and their OBP is terrible. And a guy, I'll just mention him, and it wouldn't have turned the season around, but the fact that uh, the Yankees let their rivals get Masataka Yoshida, uh, a guy who in his Japanese career had a OBP of over 400 and is a left fielder, and that's been a glaring uh, problem for the Yanks all season uh, was left field. And he's a guy that, you know, I don't like to pat myself on the back, but he's a guy that I remember in preseason shows, I, I was like, I want the Yankees to get this guy just because he fit what they needed. An, an OBP guy who uh, is, hits for average, not necessarily a real power here. He's on his way to hitting 20 home runs, not really a lot of speed, but a table setter. And so I, I wish they would have got him, but whatever. It is what it is at this stage. I, I just can't believe this Yankees team has 60 wins. Mm-hmm. Right, like that. Yeah, that's they the real do. Unbelievable it, right? thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you remember Rizzo was very, very hot at this at the top of the season, right? And then he uh, just fell off the face of the earth. And then uh, it seems that the Yankees medical team realized that that uh, that crash that he got into on the field was more serious than originally expected, and he has uh, post concussion symptoms. So, you know, who knows when he'll be back? So. Uh, you know, um, and like we talked about uh, Stanton just falling off the face of the earth and just too much. I guess the, the second best hitter is Glaber. And right. I think you have him on your uh, tout team, right? I do. Yeah. yeah and, and Glaber's Glaber's been, okay. been fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's certainly not the problem. Right. The, the thing is, you know, both a fantasy team and real life team can't rely too heavily on the guy, right? Like, is there value? Like, Glaber Torres, I mean, we haven't talked about him much this season. Huge strides with the strikeout rate. That's really what we're seeing. I mean, mm-hmm. like, truly a different hitter at the plate. Yeah. Uh, the end results kind of don't make it look like that. Mm-hmm. But basically, he's, I mean, we're talking about a 13.8% strikeout rate, a 9.1% walk rate. Like, this was a guy who usually was sort of like league average and in both accounts, maybe walked a little more than average struck out just a little less than average. Now he has a very, very good strikeout to walk ratio. Um, he's, he's stolen, you know, he's stolen some bases this is now his third consecutive season with it, with double digit steals. I think he'll get to about 15 or so by the end of the season, you know, Glaber's going to finish this season with, you know, 22 to 24 home runs, 15-ish stolen bases and and decent ratios, right? So, yeah. you know, right now hitting 265, 332, 430, and he'll probably keep hitting that, right? Mm-hmm. There's no reason to expect that any of that's going to fall out. Uh, the the counting stats will be very disappointing, um, which doesn't make sense because it should be higher. But the Yankees have not been good, uh, as you mentioned, 17 hits in their last, what? five four games, games. Yeah, yeah. four. Yeah. Something yeah, awful. Like, yeah, so on Saturday. Yeah. And, and he spent time towards the top of the season. So he's probably only going to have like 70 ish RBI, maybe like 80, 85 runs scored. So a little bit average there, but across the board, a very, very good second baseman slash, you know, I, I don't remember if he's eligible anywhere else right now. Um, 
yeah, no, he's probably only eligible at second base in most formats. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yahoo's a little weird, but he only appeared at shortstop six times last season. So I Mm -hmm. don't think that he got that, but even they won't um, give him that much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he hasn't done it once this season, right? He's pure second base, Correct. but yeah, yeah, labor has been a solid second baseman. Um, one of the few fantasy pieces in New York, uh, that has really been reliable all season. Obviously Garrett Cole's been good. Um, You you can't complain about Aaron judge when he's been on the field, right? uh, but he's struggled out a little bit, but I mean, that's, that is it from a fantasy perspective. Well, the thing about judge and and two is when he came back from that toe injury, you know, he didn't do a rehab. They needed him, you know, immediately. So they put him uh, in the starting lineup and look, you're paying a guy as much as he's getting, I agree, put him in the starting lineup and, you know, with the way that their offense was going, but in watching Glaber, you know, you're, you're right with uh, talking about his, uh, offensive skills this season, but in watching, you know, as many Yankee games as I do, that every once in a while, especially defensively, it just seems that like his head isn't in the game. Like he makes these, uh, you know, these these plays that you, you you're like, you know, what are you doing? So, um, and then he was kind of like coming up. He was a, a a big time prospect, right, for the Cubs, and then the Yanks uh, got him in the trade for uh, for uh, Chapman. But uh, another big time. Thank you, by the way, for letting me vent about my Yankees. I appreciate it to you and to all the listeners. By the way, we're recording this. It's 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, August 20th. But speaking of, you know, big time prospects, we just have to mention uh, about uh, Wanda Franco being placed on the the restricted list due to uh, some allegations about some off-field activities. He might be d- gone for the season. And, and Scott, we, last week we talked about Osle uh, Visbasabe, right? Is that the Osle Visbasabe? Yeah, I tried to spell it up, out phonetically in my notes. But, you know, we, we kind of talked about him in passing, not knowing what was going to happen with the race. And now if you look at their depth chart, you know, he's playing shortstop basically every day, and uh, they just recently called up uh, Jonathan Aranda. They called him back. Uh, Taylor Walls is on the IL. So it's going to be uh, Basa Bay, uh, you know, going forward, it looks like. Uh, and, you know, we talked about him a little last week. Maybe we'll just talk about him a couple more minutes this week. You know, good minor league numbers, 311, 369, 432 slug with an 801 OPS over five minor league seasons. But uh, does this move the needle for you? I mean, now there's going to be a lot of fantasy managers who are missing a huge cog out of their fantasy lineups with Franco possibly being out for the rest of the season. Yeah. And, you know, you, you should be planning on him being gone for the rest of the season, not because I have any kind of insight as to what's going on. Right. Um, and, you know, I've, I've actively sort of avoided conversations about speculation, but you know, generally speaking, when you don't know how long, not, not unlike injury, when you don't know how long a player is going to be gone mm-hmm. and the threat of them being gone all season is real, you need to be ready for that right now. Generally speaking at this time of year, uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense to try to find one guy that you pick up and just plug in the whole time, right? Not unlike pitching, uh, streaming is probably going to be the most viable strategy unless you really get something that sticks. Uh, Basabe is someone who is, uh, again, you know, limited, very limited in terms of power and speed. Uh, this should be a ratios thing. He struck out 
quite a bit in his first 31 plate appearances, almost 30% strikeout rate, but I'm not super concerned about that because he is putting plenty of balls in play. I think in points leagues, Basabe has some intrigue, especially because he's not batting ninth. They bat him ninth. They batted him ninth for two games. Now he's up a little bit higher in the order. So there's again, a little bit of intrigue in that regard. But, you know, as far as overall skill set for fantasy, it's actually Aranda who would be a lot more interesting if he was actually playing. That's right. Deal, uh, yeah. Aranda yeah. has just a much better bat. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the fielder that Basabe is, but he and he doesn't quite have that. You know, he's got a pretty good hit tool, but it's not quite as good. Um, I, I think the question for me will be uh, when does Taylor Walls come back? Mm-hmm. And not because I want to roster. Taylor Walls. Uh, Taylor Walls had some really nice stretches this season, and he's got some speed, but he is not a good hitter, right? He, I mean, his his career batting average in 275 uh, games is 191, uh, and it's not because he's super unlucky, right? The guy just does not put a lot of good contact on the ball. Uh, just he never has. He likely never will. He does not hit the ball hard at all. 27.5% hard hit rate this season isn't that different than what he had last year. Average exit velocity is is terrible, right? 86.8. Uh, he just doesn't hit the ball very hard. So the reason I talk about Taylor Walls coming back is because they're going to play him at shortstop. Uh, he is he's a good defender, right? And they they played him uh in the field all the time before. And I do think that would take away from uh especially because Taylor Walls is a switch hitter and the Rays will look for any reason to platoon anybody as far as I can tell. So Walls coming back would would make Basabe just sort of like completely irrelevant for fantasy purposes. He's pretty irrelevant in 12 teamers regardless, but he'd become completely irrelevant um, if he, you know, if he was in any kind of platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of race uh, that might still be out there, he's not a set. Uh, he, he can't fill the hole at shortstop, but you know, what, wouldn't you know it? Josh Lowe has, uh, come out of nowhere to be good again. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, at least recently, right. Do, do I, I have no idea how much to trust this, but he's been better in the second half. He actually fell out of my rankings cause he was so bad for so long. And I tried to believe in him and I just couldn't. And all of a sudden, uh, Josh Lowe is back hitting the ball well. He is not stealing with near the um he, he's not stealing nearly as much as he did previously. But here in the second half so far, 103 plate appearances, it's pretty average walk and strikeout rates, which is good for him because he was much, much worse than that coming in. Hitting 287, uh slugging 511, um, four home runs, five stolen bases. It's not bad, right? Um, he's actually got two home runs in his last four games, bunch of RBI. Uh so, you know, he's someone that you could pick up if you're trying to get some of that speed back that Wander Franco was giving you. Mm-hmm. So uh, just talking about Taylor Walls, um, the last I see in terms of an update was about a week ago. And Kevin Cash said that he's still a while away, uh, has uh, dealing with an oblique injury. So, you know, those are very tricky. But uh, that's some very good observations on your part. And uh, so it's been a... a very fun, exciting week in uh, baseball. Uh, you know, we've got a few uh, prospects, exciting prospects that were called up. Maybe uh, this might be a good spot for us to take our first break. And uh, when we get back, we'll talk about what the Angels did. Uh, Cardinals made a move and uh, get uh, some more to cover right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. 
Want to make money making picks on MLB games? And you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick the two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's UnderdogFantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 877 8 Hope and Y. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina and Scott Chu. You can follow me on the X. And I'll, we, there's not a video, but uh, I'm just crossing my, my hands. On the X, at Joe Galina and uh, Scott Chu, at If the Chew Fits. You getting used to saying uh, the X, or are you still calling it Twitter? What are you doing? Twitter.com, baby. <laughs> like that, that's, that's, that's still true. It's still Twitter.com. Mm-hmm. It's been a real efficient rebranding for them. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, as I teased right before the break, uh, it's been a real fun week in, in baseball. The Angels calling up uh, Nolan Shanuel. Uh, just it's just a move that just makes you love the unpredictability of Major League Baseball. Uh, promoted uh, the first baseman less than six weeks after having selected him with the number eleven overall pick in the 2023 draft uh, has batted lead off in his first three games. And this is a real baseball guy. His full name is Nolan Ryan Shanuel. So just, you know, through Wikipedia, the guy has been swinging a bat since he's like 18 months old. He's swinging a, a, a plastic bat. Um, he has 2010 vision, which is considered twice the ability of the uh, average person. So, um, and look, they didn't fast track him, obviously, to sit him. So that's why he's he's batting uh, leadoff, uh, but posted a 375, 10, 493 triple slash with 21 walks and uh, just 10 strikeouts in 96 plate appearances uh, once he was called up. That's in, in 21 minor league games. Um, and if you read up on him, he was regard, regarded as uh, the most MLB ready bat in the draft. 
Um, you look at his college career because we don't have much to look other than that, but uh, 24.6% walk rate uh, and a 4.8% strikeout rate in his college career. So, uh, and, and it's, uh, I mean, we could just gloss over it, but with the new rules in, in baseball, um, you know, the MLB uh, trade rumors did a pretty good explanation. They said that the Angels promoted him on the first day that prospects could be promoted to the majors and fall just below the requisite service to exhaust their rookie eligibility. So as long as Shanuel uh, has less than 131 at-bats down the stretch, he'll be considered a rookie, uh, you know, starting next season. Um, also, that he has to have 46 days or fewer on a big league roster to retain his rookie eligibility for next year. And the rookie status is important because the new CBA allows for draft pick incentives tied to rookie of the year voting. So uh, I said a lot, but what, what do you think about uh, Shanuel? Nolan Ryan Shanuel. What a baseball name. So it'd be really cool if he was in the majors because he played so well that the Angels didn't have a choice. That's actually not why uh, Nolan Shanuel is on the Angels roster. Uh, to get a quick idea of why he is on their roster, you should look at their current injured list. Uh, it currently contains uh, eight players that they wanted to have on their starting roster this season. Uh, Max Stassi, but that's what, what's important for this is CJ Crone on the IL. He's the most recent one. Anthony Rendon on the IL, Zach Neto on the IL, Gio, Gio Urshela on the IL, not to mention in the outfield, Adele Trout and Ward, mm. all of those guys on the IL, which has basically made it so that the angels don't have a choice. They don't have like anyone else to play first base, mm -hmm. right? Their choices were basically like, do we put in Eduardo Escobar? Right. Um, mm -hmm. Who's sort of like filling in at third, uh, with Mike Moustakis. They basically need Escobar and Moustakis to play third base most of the time. Drury stuck at first. They've got Rangifo at short. There's nobody else to play first base for them, really, right? Mm. Not anyone that they want to get looks at. So with Shanuel, they've basically found themselves in a sort of risk-free situation. They can call him up. They can see what he's got. Um, and again, Shanuel is the kind of guy who uh, it's interesting they're batting him lead off because I think that would be where the long-term fit for him is. Mm -hmm. uh, Shanuel is someone who has a lot of, you know, he's really carried by his hit tool. This is not a huge power bat, right? Actually, if you look at his 75 plate appearances in double a uh, pretty good, a 163 WRC plus, but he has the unusual distinction of a slugging that's lower than his OBP. Right. His uh, OBP is 480. His slug is 475. That's still pretty good. But uh, basically, Shanuel is someone who I would expect to be mostly a ratios and points guy. Right. A decent look in deep points leagues. Uh, he does have a hit in his first three games. But as far as 12 team leagues, I just I don't see a path to major relevance here. This is not a home run bat. Uh, this is not um, this is not someone I mean. There, there is some varying, there's a lot, let me say it this way, betting against a player with only 75 plate appearances in the high minors, double A, mm -hmm. is always prudent. You basically should never expect that player to be a fantasy impact in there, at least for the foreseeable future, right? It's simply, it just doesn't happen, right? Like, can he make some contact? Sure, right? Do I expect some, like... How does this guy going to learn to hit for power when he had 
I mean, he was only able to hit one home run in the minors. It wasn't that long. It was 21 games, but he only had one. Where, mm-hmm. where does he get more than that in his 21 games we expect to see in the majors? Right? Like where, where, where are, you know, where would the stats come from? I think he's really cool in dynasty leagues. Um, the closest prospect comp i am not our main prospect guy uh, that's matt heckman who just took over our dynasty area and, and he's awesome and we've got some prospect podcasts you should follow like on the farm uh with lamar but um the closest thing i can look at if things were to have gone well for him as a prospect he would have hype similar to uh kyle manzardo who is now with the guardians right mm. a guy who is mostly hit tool but has pop Right. Like, so, so that's like, that would be the prospect hype for Shanuel. If he had had time to show us he is worthy of said hype. Mm. Right. But he's not there yet. So and it's really, really hard, you know, take a look at his college numbers. I mean, but he did hit a bunch of home runs in college. And I know it's college. So, and, yeah, so and he's, a, Spencer he's a lefty. And it's only just now yeah. that he's giving us power, right? So Spencer Torkelson as a, you know, first baseman, Spencer Torkelson's probably the best college hitter of the last decade. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and he still spent like a year in the minors and is just now showing us that he can hit for power in the major leagues. Right. Consistently. Right. Just, and it's not even consistent, right? Yeah. It's just like a surge right now. Like just now it takes a long time. The level of pitching, even between, I mean, the level of pitching between double A and the majors, it, it's a huge change, right? Of course, and yeah. like, that's mm-hmm. the change. College level is like around rookie ball-ish, mm-hmm. right? Maybe low A, right? Like some of the better college leagues might be close to low A, guys that get drafted from there. But like not everybody who plays high-level college ball gets drafted, right? right. They don't all even make it to low sure. A. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, as a lefty batter, I think he just has the advantage of the uh, hitter-friendly confines of Anaheim Stadium. But I think, in, in, in another thing, and you're 100 percent right in terms of the fact that the Angels pretty much had no choice but to call him because of all the injuries. But also, I think it shows uh, Otani, who's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, that they'll do anything to to win. And, and you know, uh, the Angels went all in on the uh, at the MLB trade deadline. It really didn't work because, uh, you know, they, they slumped since. But uh, I guess maybe part of it, too, is to show Otani, hey, we're going to do anything we can to, to put a winning uh, team to put a team on the on the on the field, too, because basically, like you said, everyone's hurt. <laughs> a team that could win a game. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, you know, credit to the Angels. Um, they're probably going to finish somewhere like slightly below 500. Um, but you know what? Credit to them, because that's a massive injury list mm-hmm, uh, of mm-hmm. guys that like it's not just like random players either. It was All it's famer, players that were, trout. <laughs> they were supposed to be like major parts of this team. Yeah. And it, it just has been a bad luck year for them on the injury front, which is a little different than like the Mets who had a bad luck year on performance. They just had too many role players have really bad starts to the season for the angels. It's different. Um, some of those guys were not playing up to expectations necessarily, but they've also just haven't been able to be on the field. Mm. Right. So, so that's been a problem. I mean, they just got Logan a hoppy back. He was supposed to be their starting catcher and he had a great start and then he was gone. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a guy who has stepped up for them for a little while and has fallen back. Like they've had some guys give them some surges like Mickey Moniak, mm-hmm. uh, but you can't rely on that for very long. 
Right. Uh, we'll talk about why later when we talk about the stuff that I asked us to shove in, uh, shove into sure, the show. Sure. Absolutely. But can't rely on those guys for too long. Yeah. Um, and it's a fantasy thing too, right? Like there's only so long you can stay afloat when you're constantly using um, players that you had to like scrape out of the waiver wire. Can you win because of waiver wire additions? Absolutely. Can a team win because of guys they found in the minors? Absolutely. But there's only so many of those that you can expect to rely on. Mm-hmm. Even in your most lucky year, you cannot have a roster of all waiver wire guys. You will not win. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's move on. The Cardinals uh, called up uh, a guy that is considered to be their shortstop of the future. So with uh, Lars Newtbar and uh, Nolan Gorman hitting the aisle this week, Cards had some open spots on their roster. And uh, Mason Wynn uh, is a shortstop who's played some second base, but mostly shortstop in his minor league career. Uh, spent the entire season at AAA Memphis in the International League and uh, put up a 283, 356, 465 triple slash in 494 plate appearances. Uh, it's has some uh, issues against uh, left uh, right-handed uh, batter, uh, pitching. I'm sorry. He's a right-handed batter, batted 353 against lefties this season, 258 against righties. You wonder if that's going to be magnified uh, now that he's in the major leagues, but has shown some good plate discipline across his minor league career, really good walk rates, uh, and Triple H this season had an 8.8% walk rate, and uh, his 16.7% strikeout rate was down from his 213 rate from last season, so he's making strides. Um, also, not just the bat, so he's considered to be a very good defensive shortstop as well, so um, like I said, Cardinals view him as their shortstop of the future. So uh, I think they're going to be patient with him and keep him in the lineup. And it's not like they're going anywhere right now. Yeah, actually, you know who he reminds me of in terms of what to expect sort of for fantasy is he reminds me of a guy on his own team, Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. Um, when is not a guy with a ton of pop, right? Uh, he he did hit 18 home runs in 105 games uh, in AAA this season, but overall, uh, his WRC plus just 107. That tells you, I mean, he's a pretty average AAA hitter. Uh, he does have an absolute cannon for an arm mm-hmm. when he is, you know, he's got a real cannon to play. I mean, that's why he's their shortstop of the future. He can steal bases. He stole uh, 28 in 86 games in double A's. He's stolen 17 so far in AAA. He is a guy who I think in future seasons could be like a 20 to 25 stolen base guy, especially if he can get some more time at the top of the lineup. The problem is uh, he just, he doesn't, <laughs> He, he doesn't hit the ball. Uh, you know, he doesn't hit, he doesn't hit the ball super hard. Mm-hmm. He's not have a ton of power. It's mostly bat to ball skill that he's going to rely on, right? He's going to be a guy who uh, he's not a 10% walk rate kind of guy, especially at the major league level. He's not a uh, strikeout 10% kind of guy either. I expect both those ratios to be average, uh, maybe a little better than that. Again, not unlike his teammate, Tommy Edmond who has been, you know, in a full season, a 30 stolen base guy uh, who strikes out less than average, um, which is good. Right. And who can hit 10 to 15 home runs that, it, you know, and I'm talking about like sort of the better versions of Tommy Edmond, obviously mm-hmm. um, that is, I mean, Tommy Edmond's outcomes in like 2021, 2022, right. 11 home runs, 13 home runs, 30 stolen bases or so uh, run scored. Cause he was at the top of the lineup decent batting average, not super useful OBP. That feels like Mason win to me. Um, so, I mean, that's, 
that's kind of what I expect. It's going to be hard for Mason Wynn to be productive at the bottom of that lineup right now, but um, he's got the opportunity because Nolan Gorman was playing second. They put Tommy Edmond over at second base. I'm actually a lot more interested in Tommy Edmond because of these injuries, hmm. right? Um, he may have been, he was likely dropped in lots of leagues because he just hasn't been that useful this year, but Tommy Edmond is finally back to where I wanted him to be, which is the top of the Cardinals lineup. That is where Tommy Edmond needs to be to be a fantasy relevant kind of guy. Uh, he is eligible at shortstop, second base, and the outfield. Um, Tommy Edmond, someone who I, I'd be very interested in in you know those 12-team fantasy leagues, especially where he's available, because there is a chance he can really give you a boost. Like If you're looking for a middle infielder because you've lost Wander Franco, actually Tommy Edmond is a place to look. Right, He's still batting ninth once in a while, but I think he's going to be pretty much at the top of the lineup now with Gorman gone. Uh, and, you know, maybe he moves down a little bit when Newt Bar comes back, but, you know, that's still going to be another week and a half at least. Mm-hmm. Um, that So Tommy Edmonds, a guy I'm looking at uh, because of all this, not so much Mason Wynn, who's really more of a dynasty guy. And even then, he's a top 50 prospect, Mason Wynn, but not for fantasy because mm-hmm. that top 50 prospect status, that comes a lot from his, like, you know, his glove and his arm. He's going to be able to make a lot of really good throws from shortstop. He's going to cut down things that probably should have been infield hits. Uh, that's something he's going to be able to do. He's going to put the ball in play, uh, but he's not, you know, he's not going to be a huge fantasy impact shortstop. Mm-hmm. All right. Good stuff. Um, the Reds have really promoted uh, a lot of their young, talented prospects to the big leagues this year. Obviously, you're familiar with the names. Matt McClain, of course, L.A. Uh, De La Cruz, Christian Incarcion Strand, and Andrew Abbott. They've all uh, they made their uh, big league debuts this season. So, um, uh, Noel V. Marte, third baseman, uh, another young player with some pretty good plate discipline, double-digit walk rates in a few of his minor league landing spots. Uh, throughout his career this season has kept his strikeout rate just under the 20% mark uh, in the minor leagues. And, uh, you know, was thinking how much playing time he was going to be able to get. But uh, Dave Bell, manager for the Reds, says he's going to play every day. Um, is expected uh, to play third base for the Reds. They've used uh, Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, uh, and Carcion Strand at that spot. But with uh, Jonathan India still on the I.L., Matt McClain's been playing some second base. Joey Votto's been playing first and also DHing. And Spencer Steer can play some outfield. So looks like Bell's looking to get uh, Marte's bat in the lineup every day. Yeah. And and that's cool. I mean, Noel V. Marte has had some of the prospect shine come off. He was, you know, really, really hot a little while ago. He's got, I mean, the. He's sort of he's different than Win because Win is like a high you know he's a top fifty to one hundred prospect because of the glove. For Marte, it is the upside with the bat. That's what we're after with Marte. He he actually wasn't showing it that much uh, quite yet. He was putting his bat on the ball, but he wasn't giving us like a ton of power. But that's okay. He kind of doesn't need to quite yet because um, he's going to get plenty of playing time. Uh, I I think. He's someone who, again, I, I'm not, this is not a guy who I think is going to save you in leagues where you've lost a high-end shortstop like Wander Franco, but he is someone who who can be interesting, particularly for next season. Actually, the big fantasy impact for this move isn't an add or a drop you can make. It's that they finally put Ellie, well, they did this a few, you know, they did this about a week ago, but they finally put Ellie friggin' De La Cruz back at the number three spot. I hated him in the leadoff spot. I've said it many times. I hated Ellie De La Cruz in the leadoff spot. Uh, because you you want a guy with power hitting with people on base. You want a guy with power like Ellie De La Cruz 
to have runners on base, so you have to throw Ellie De La Cruz strikes. Ellie De La Cruz is not a good decision maker yet, but you can take some of that burden off by batting him like third when guys are already on base because then pitchers have to throw him strikes, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't walk someone, like you don't want to walk him if there's already somebody on first and second, right? Like you got to, you got to throw him something he could hit. So Ellie De La Cruz uh, is, you know, he's been better for the last week. And a big part of that is simply because he's hitting third. I think that really does have a huge impact on Ellie De La Cruz, what he can do. Um, I'm glad I didn't drop him too far in my ranks because I love him hitting third, right? Uh, he He's someone who really should be there. Um, he's actually, also while he was a leadoff guy, he like didn't steal any bases, right? He mm. stole one base in that stretch as a leadoff guy. It's like the very first game that he was a leadoff man, he stole a base. He did not steal a base after that in his stretch at leadoff, uh, which started really uh, at the, like almost immediately at the start of the second half on July 17th, he started hitting leadoff. They kept him there until August 9th. He stole one base <laughs> and he got caught like two more times, uh, three times. And you now he's already got two stolen off. bases he, yeah. hitting third. Yeah. So uh, that to me is like the big news. I, I think mm -hmm. it makes Ellie, Ellie, Ellie De La Cruz is his best for fantasy hitting third, not first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, also, you know, it's given some other guys an opportunity to be more fantasy relevant. TJ Friedel on this team. Um, he's mostly an everyday guy. He might sit against some lefties, but Friedel's hitting a little bit better. Again, he's a lot more useful batting leadoff simply because he's more of a slappy kind of hitter gets on base can get driven in Matt McLean's turned things around. I kind of like seeing that. Um, you know, so, you know, I will say again, lots of rookies have come up this season and very few have been super successful. Right. Mm -hmm. Matt McLean has been very, very good. Right. And, and Ellie De La Cruz has been very useful in fantasy for spurts. Right. But we also saw Christian Encarnacion Strand just not be very effective. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and he's someone who had a long track record in AAA of being very good. He came up and it just hasn't it hasn't been there yet. I'm not saying it's never going to come because uh, he has, you know, he has great power. He just didn't have much of a hit tool. And it's taken time for him to adjust. Right. So. With Marte, the only problem is you don't have much time for him to adjust. So you can add him if you want, if you're desperate, if, you, if you've been following closely and think he's going to adapt immediately, sure. But in a 12-team league, he is not at the top of my list for, uh, for an infielder to replace guys I've lost. Mm. And in Carcion, in Carcion Strand, uh, down 20 slots, number 146 on your hitter list. And maybe we'll take our second break here. There's another prospect that got called up recently for the Giants I want to talk about. Um, maybe we could just mention uh, about uh, some Royce Lewis is back from the IL. Um, talk uh, about some observations from your hitter list. There's a couple of players you wanted to focus on, Scott. And we'll talk about all that right after this. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. 
Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. We've been talking about some of the prospects that have been called up recently. A fun time to follow baseball. Uh, Wade Meckler is a guy I wanted to talk about. Giants outfielder uh, got the call. Uh, largely, you know, we were talking about all the injuries that the Angels had, but the Giants have some injuries in the outfield as well. Mike Yastrzemski, Mitch Hanniger on the IL. They sent down Luis Matos back down to the minors. They traded for A.J. Pollock, and he's going to be out for several weeks with an oblique strain. Uh, Meckler has been batting first and second since he's been called up. And, you know, you look at this guy's, uh, you know, minor league numbers, and uh, he's known for his excellent contact skills, strike zone awareness, um, really doesn't do much else in terms of power and speed in terms of his, uh, you know, his, his uh, profile. But um, batting at the top of the lineup and in two minor league seasons has a 377 batting average with 472 OBP. Uh, any interest as a table setter for uh, Wade Meckler um, as an outfielder? I guess maybe in, obviously in, in five team in leagues where you're starting five outfielders, maybe. Yeah, very deep. But that's largely based on because the fact he's batting second, not because I'm a huge fan of Meckler's talent, like very deep points leagues Mm -hmm. is theoretically where you would expect Meckler to be good. He has struck out a ton in these first couple of games, Uh, 61% strikeout rate. Granted, this is only like 30 plate appearances, so you can't read too much into it, but I mean, Oh, for three, three strikeouts on Saturday, he is striking out a lot. And what's really frustrating about it is, you know, who used to bat second before Meckler came up? Tyro Estrada, who is perfectly acceptable for fantasy purposes and is now batting ninth, which is not ideal, right? Like batting in front of uh, Blake Sabble and Brandon Crawford is not the way to be a useful fantasy asset, right? Like it's it's a lot harder uh, to be useful at the bottom of the lineup. So I'm, I'm bummed Tyro Estrada is down. I think he should be higher up. I think he's a better leadoff man than Lamont Wade Jr., who if you haven't caught him, go ahead. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. is just not that special of a fantasy asset. And Meckler, also not super interesting to me, right? Um, Again, rookie with no power, you know, maybe the strike zone awareness thing. So in the minors, you'll see these guys with these crazy high walk rates, and they will often struggle to maintain that kind of walk rate when they get to the pros because more pitches that our balls look like strikes, Mm -hmm. right? So pitchers in the major leagues are much better at, you know, sort of, making pitches look like they will be a strike and have them fall out of the zone or, you know, the opposite, make them look like they're going to be out of the zone and then just come back in and bite. Right. It's actually very, I mean, obviously not a ton of minor league guys can do that because if minor league guys could do that consistently, they'd be in the big leagues. Right. So these guys with 20% walk rates in the minors don't often come up and show us that. Right. Um, a good example from earlier this season, a guy who's been very inconsistent at, uh, Edouard Julien. So, uh, Julien, for the twins is a guy who again praised because he'd have these like 20% walk rates in the minor leagues. Um, great strike zone awareness. But like the problem with strike zone awareness is it takes some time to get a feel for how major league pitchers attack the strike zone versus minor league guys, right? Command is just on another level in the big leagues. I mean, it's we always talk about how rookies have a hard time sometimes with control and command when they get to the majors, uh, because basically they get punished badly if they miss. Whereas in the minors, you can get away with a lot more. 
So uh, not a fan of, of Neckler's profile for most fantasy purposes. I mm-hmm. think long-term, maybe there's something here and like points formats is like a slappy sort of outfielder who hits 10 home runs a season. Right. But uh, it, there's not a ton of paths to fantasy relevance with that kind of profile. You have to have a, I mean, basically you have to be Luis Arias to succeed in fantasy with that kind of profile. And most guys are not Luis Arias. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so again, Meckler, someone not, not super interested. Uh, and it, it's a real bummer because it's also burying Tyro Estrada. So I'd love to see Meckler kind of move down in the order and have Estrada go back up to second. And he'd be another guy who, um, is, you know, should be a solid piece for the rest of the season. Meckler, however, not so much mm-hmm. he'd get high. I mean, you I always feel bad because I'm always like knocking all these guys that come up and saying, oh, they're not useful. But that's because in 12 team leagues, most rookies that come up are not someone you want to care about right away. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, can you get surprised? Sure. Zach Giloff. Guy, you came up for the A's and I've mentioned on this podcast. I've mentioned other places. Not a huge fan of the profile. Um, he swings in. I mean, you know, s- stop me if you've heard this before. I don't love guys who miss strikes. Uh, I said it about Jack Swinsky. I said it about Brent Rooker. I said it about Christian uh, Christopher Morrell. I said it about Mickey Moniak, and now I'm saying it about Zach Eloff. But those guys can be hot, right? And this, the moral of the story is number one: Zach Eloff, not someone um, that you should expect to continue succeeding. In fact, I expect a big drop off at some point. May not happen this year because you never know when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But like Mickey Moniak, like Brent Rooker, right? Like Jack Swinsky, like Christa, Christopher Morrell, you should expect a big drop off because pitchers are going to start realizing this guy misses strikes. And uh, they're going to get him behind in counts. They're going to make him swing more. Uh, they're going to be able to throw him strikes that he's not going to be able to hit. So there's too many holes in that swing to be uh, too excited about Giloff long-term. Meckler doesn't, I mean, you don't think Meckler would have those holes. He's obviously got huge ones right now. But uh, again, just most guys aren't that exciting. Now in an NFBC format, you kind of don't have a choice. You have to just at least throw a couple fab bucks at him because they might turn into something. Mm-hmm. Right, you, they might become Zach Eloff. You don't actually care how long Zach Eloff is good for, right? The fact that he's good for any amount of time is useful. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough because I I keep getting asked who's the, who's the prospect that comes up in September that gives us the big impact. Um, you know, and the the name they'll usually throw out is like Corbin Carroll from last season. Corbin Carroll was the top overall prospect in baseball, mm-hmm. uh, and even then, you know, he, like he was very good for the month of September, he was very useful, uh, probably better than most waiver additions you made in that month. But like, there's just not that many of those. There's not one of those every season. And sometimes the guy who is that each season is totally random because as I rent as is in the top of the hitter list, every single week that it's published since I've started writing it, anyone can be good for a month. Anyone like, I mean, Elvis Andrews was good for a month last year, right? Not for any particular reason. Not because Elvis Andrews had done something special, just because you're good enough to be in the pros, you're good enough to be good for a month. Yeah, like I and, said, you know, the baseball season's just a, a bunch of hot streaks and and uh, cold streaks, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know we can predict some of them because they they come with like terrible strikeout rates mm-hmm. or because they have massive issues with contact. Aristides Aquino, if you remember from back in like 2019, guy sure. just could not stop hitting. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, he was fantastic, and then you know, all the pitchers kind of figured out that he has massive holes in his swing and he's not that hard to beat. Right. But, but there's guys like this. I mean, all year, I mean, I, I asked on, on twitter.com, I asked how is Zach Eloff or another guy, Chaz McCormick, who's older, but similar thing out of nowhere doing well. 
How are they different from Jack Swinski, Brent Rook, and all these guys? And the response, a lot of people gave me these responses of like, oh, well, they're hitting better. I'm like, well, those guys were all hitting better too, right? Or you know, someone said, oh, those, Gilof and McCormick are league winners. I'm like, maybe because of timing. But those other guys were good for a month too. Brent Rooker was someone that people wanted as a top 50 hitter back in April, right? Into May. Into mm-hmm. May, Brent Rooker was a top like 20 hitter for fantasy. Adam Duvall, before he went on his injury, was the best fantasy hitter. And he stayed the best ha- fantasy hitter for two weeks after he was out because he was so good, right? Obviously, Neither of them rosterable in most formats right now outside of like 15 team. So, you know, don't, don't fool yourself, folks. Like this is not the time. Like, should you ride the hot? Am I telling you to cut Chaz McCormick who also has massive zone contact problems and I, and strikes out a lot and I expect to fall pretty hard, right? Does that mean cut him? No, it does mean the lease should be awfully short right? Like nothing that Zach Giloff or Chaz McCormick are doing make me like super con- Like you don't have a lot of time left this season. And if they give you two bad weeks, can you take a third, right? Like six weeks is half, like is half the season or mm-hmm. sorry, three weeks, three weeks from today. That's half the remaining season. Like you can't, yeah, it's okay to be wrong sometimes and letting a guy go just a little too early. If there's something good out there to go get at this time of year, you can't say, well, you know, for, for players who have not proven that they can turn it around, for players who don't have the kind of upside that like a Julio Rodriguez has, who for five days can be the best hitter in baseball, who for a month could be the best, right? Like Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been disappointing this season. But how surprising would it be if for the month of September, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is the best first baseman in fantasy? In fact, he's likely projected to be a top five first baseman uh, for the month of September. Right. You can't cut a guy like that. But mm-hmm. Chaz McCormick, if he has, you know, what if he finishes the next, t- you know, next 10 days? What if he's slumping, striking out a lot, oh, what, which is what I'll expect to see a bunch of strikeouts, 30 to 40 percent. And all of a sudden the power's not there. If I see that for 10 days, they've got to go. You do not have time to wait on that for a Zach Eloff or a Chaz McCormick. Or, you know, if if Wade Meckler heats up for a week. Right. Um, you've probably missed the whole stretch of goodness. Right. Uh, and you can't. Let them sit on your bench for too long. You don't have time. You got to another giant who was hot earlier in the year, Casey Schmidt. Where's he? Right. <laughs> oh, I mean, and again, I'm. A, it sounds like I'm just talking about all the times I'm right, but really, what I'm saying is, all those times I was a wet blanket, many of them pan out. That's mm. why I'm more wet blanket than not. Casey Schmidt wasn't doing anything that impressed me. He was mm. just hot and. You know, I know that when we had him and uh, Patrick Bailey, we've talked about both of them in the past, and there are indicators when a guy is just hot, right? If all of it is fueled by line drives, that's heat. Guys cannot hit line drives more than 20 to 25% of the time at best uh, for very long, right? Unless they're among the elite line drive hitters in baseball. So when you see really high line drive rates, that's one hint that maybe something's a little awry, right? The other I look at, and the reason I wanted to talk about this, is zone contact. There are very, very, very few hitters who, with any kind of consistency, who have bad zone contact rates. Basically, 85% is about as low of a zone contact rate as I like to see. When I see 75 to 80% zone contact, that tells me these guys miss strikes. You cannot, in the major leagues, miss strikes and expect to be successful. There are just very, very few players like that. Right. That's why we see Jack Swinski, 
you know, every every couple of weeks, someone asks me if they should add Jack Sawinski because he has three home runs in his last five games. And I say, no, probably not. Because that's just what Jack Sawinski is. Christopher Morrell alternates between three weeks of being roster poison and a week and a half of being great. And then goes back I and mean, just keeps redoing it because he's a bad decision maker. And even when he makes the right decision, he's bad at making contact in the zone. It's hard enough to make good decisions in the major leagues because mm-hmm. pitchers make that very difficult for you to do. It is much, much harder su- to succeed when you're already trying to make sure you make good decisions. And even if you make the right decision, you're bad at hitting the strikes that you swung at. Like that's not, that's not a way to succeed. Right. I- I'd much rather see a player who is struggling with quality of contact like uh, Michael Harris earlier this season. He was struggling with quality of contact, no doubt about it, but he was making contact. So there was always hope. Spencer Torkelson, he's been pretty darn good at making contact. His issue tends to be the quality of contact has been hit or miss, right? Because he's topping them or he's hitting too many ground or something like that. Those are the things that concern me, right? Um, Or in the case of Ellie De La Cruz, Ellie De La Cruz is not bad at making contact in the zone, right? He does strike out a lot. But that's because he swings at balls. Mm-hmm. That's a teachable problem, right? But you can't teach a guy who's like the what you need to do to train someone to not swing at balls is like pitch recognition. You can actually practice that at any time, right? They've got these cool VR sets that they use uh, some teams to have guys look at pitches and try to decide if they're a ball or a strike, right? Modeled after after real pitches. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to teach a guy to hit strikes if he's already not hitting strikes. You have to already be good at that. You have to, like, you can't get to the big leagues and say, oh, yeah, the one thing the guy can't do is hit strikes. What? (laughs) That's not a big league player. And hit a fastball. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, all that to say, right now, everyone's trying to figure out, is it he, you're also going to have this when you get into the offseason. If your season's done, there's still something to learn, which is going into next season. Was it hot? You know, was he just hot? Or is there a real, like, is there a real talent here that's been unlocked? I The first places I'd look, is it, is it an inflated line drive rate? Because expected stats are a great place to start. But if you have an inflated line drive rate, your expected stats will still be really good because line drives are often hits, right? But it doesn't mean you're going to keep hitting line drives. So that's a great place to start. Um, Of course, this is after you look at expected stats, after you look at strikeout walk. Those are great places. Those are the real starting points. Below that, when you're like, okay, this guy had a decent strikeout walk rate, expected stats look good. What else? That what else for me, line drive rates and zone contact. That's what I want to know. Did they hit the strikes they swung at, right? And when they did, was it, like, were they consistently making, you know, were they making a normal range of outcomes in terms of, like, line drive, fly ball, ground ball? Or is it, like, a 35% line drive weight, which I cannot expect to return? It won't. And because it won't, I have to try to figure out what's it going to be when it, right, you know, when it kind of normalizes itself. Mm-hmm. And it means the batting average is going to come down, all those things. Uh, and, and it can still work out well. Matt McClain had a really, really high line drive rate early this season. Um, it, it inflated a lot of his stats, but a lot of those turned into fly balls. And for a guy like Matt McClain with power, that meant we still got good outcomes from him, right? But for other guys like Patrick Bailey, he's not actually that great of a hitter. Those line drives turned into outs, hmm. right? So that's kind of what we're doing right now. Uh, as we're looking at who do we expect to stay good for the month of September? Who do we expect to be uh, risers going into next season? Those are the things I want to look at, um, which again, are really not, I mean, they're easy starting points. If a line drive rate is over 30%, it's probably fraudulent, right? 
almost certain. It's a fugazi. That's a fugazi. Yeah, it, it's, like just, it's not it, right? It's all a fugazi. You know what a fugazi is? Mm. Fugazi. It's a uh, fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi. It's a woozy. It's a f- fairy dust. It doesn't exist. It's never landed. It is no matter. It's not on the elemental chart. Zone contact rate of you know 80, 75 to eighty percent. That's not someone I'm relying on unless they have a long history of doing it. Aaron mm. Judge once in a while has this, right? Because he sells out to hit some home runs. But like, not how many hitters are Aaron Judge? Right, one. Right, like mm-hmm. that's just not a thing that you can really expect to stay forward. So, those are things I look at. That was really the point of this whole rant was to talk about what I look at beyond just have they been good, right? Mm-hmm. How were they good? Because some ways are sustainable, some ways aren't. Guys with low zone contact, guys with too high line drive rates, that's unlikely to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. So you went down into the nitty gritty. I'll just take a look at this. That um, McCormick batting two forty nine against righty pitching. And 353 against lefty pitching, you know, once the, uh, the 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 pending doom that you've forecasted happens, I mean, Michael Brantley's right around the corner from making a return. So uh, McCormick's at-bats might be limited, especially against right-handed uh, pitching, you know? Maybe. I mean, I'm not a huge Brantley fan. I, I you know, people keep asking, who should I but drop when Duffy he comes Baker up? Baker is. You yeah. know, I mean, he might not be fantasy relevant, but, you know, I think he's going to get his at-bats once healthy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. my issue is less that I'm, and again, you know, I, I agree with you. Like that could be a problem. Mm-hmm. It's probably less likely that McCormick loses plate appearances. And that's why he's not fantasy relevant. He'll mm-hmm. lose plate appearances because he's not, because he's not hitting. Those right. strikeouts are going to pile up. When it, when a guy has this profile, it is all but inevitable. Zach Giloff, same thing. You just can't, you know, I, I, I was not high on Giloff earlier and, you know, I've, you know, I've been dragged, you know, I've had people come and be like, oh, you missed this. And I did. I did. But if I'm going to be wrong, I want it to be on a guy who is doing something totally unexpected in a way that's probably not sustainable, um, because that means the analysis was was fine. Right. Mm-hmm. The results mm-hmm. aren't always there. But right. in time, unless Giloff fixes that zone contact problem, mm-hmm. um, I just don't see a path towards sustained fantasy relevance because I'm not sure the speed which he brings to the table that some of those other guys don't. I'm not sure the speed will be enough to offset the terrible ratios. I like what you said in terms of it being crunch time and to identify when these changes uh, are taking place. Don't, don't you know, just wait weeks until uh, guys like Geloff and McCormick snap out of their, uh, you know, potential future slumps. So, and I'm also looking at uh, pitcher lists, expecting batting average for McCormick. It's, it's 213. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the Statcast one is a 243. So, um, you know, the expected stats agree with your projection. Yeah, and they're not even looking at those things, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not really looking at the zone contact. Um, it's just yet another reason. And I'm, again, I'm not saying this because you should drop McCormick right now. That would be silly, right? Do not drop Chaz McCormick or Zach Eloff right now because they're on your roster and they're doing well. They're but on the my ta- they start- uh, on my towel team. I'm not dropping them. <laughs> of course but- not. Don't. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if he's out there, go ahead and pick him up. Mm. Right. But just know that you need a short leash because the underlying stuff That's tells us mm-hmm. that it, when this goes away, it won't be because of bad luck. Mm-hmm. Like what we're seeing right now is the good luck. Mm-hmm. Right. This was the best possible outcome for these guys based on the skill sets that they have. Right. But when that goes away, I don't expect it to come back. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if it does, it won't happen necessarily quickly. Right. Because. 
again, you can't struggle to hit strikes and stay successful in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. You can, if you strike out too much, like Ellie De La Cruz, because you make bad decisions and swing at stuff you shouldn't swing at, fixable, right? Um, but not so much the hitting strikes part. If you aren't able to do that well, it's really hard to fix that problem. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, yeah, let's finish off the podcast talking about a, a couple other batters, but excellent analysis on your part, Mr. Chu. Um, any interest in uh, Royce Lewis, especially for managers who are going without Juan Franco? Because uh, he's third base shortstop eligible still, at least in Yahoo leagues. Came back off the IL five for fifteen since his return to action. Um, what's your thoughts on, on Royce Lewis? Yeah, Royce Lewis. I mean, we've talked about him a few times. He was a, a high level prospect mm-hmm. uh, coming up. He's a guy who, um, you know, those those red flags I was talking about. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have those problems, right? His zone contact maybe a tiny bit low, but at eighty three point five percent, fine with that. You know, just to tie that all in, his line drive rates like in the in the twenties right now, almost twenty five percent. That's fine. Uh, maybe a little bit higher than it'll end up being for his career, but nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing to suggest that that's why. Um, you know, that's leading to his success. He is th- hitting 327 on the year. Uh, expected stats don't like it nearly as much, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of it is ground balls and uh, ground balls generally don't always go for hits. He, mm-hmm. he you know, uh, I will say this about Lewis. He sprays the ball everywhere, right? Um, it is, you know, his, he actually hits almost as many ball up the middle as he does to the pole field. Those grounders up the middle are probably turning into a lot more hits than we would expect. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's maybe a little suspect, but I'm not so worried about that because this guy's got a ton of power. He just needs to get the ball in the air a little more. Uh, the strikeout rate is okay. There's tons of playing time. You know, when he first came up, there was a few playing time question marks, but right now there's a ton of playing time available for him Yep. Uh, because there's a bunch of injuries in, in Minnesota, especially in the infield. So uh, I'm a fan. Right, mm-hmm. I think that he is worth a shot. He's got power. He's got speed. I think he can do a little bit of both things. Uh, he's just he is a you know injury risk at at all times. He always mm-hmm. has been throughout his minor league career. That's why it took him so long to get to the pros. But he's certainly a, an infielder I'm willing to take a flyer on. Mm-hmm. So how concerned are you? And I'm going by um, taking a look at your hitter list. Uh, Jazz Chisholm. Um, you, you mentioned that uh, his. Uh, K rate has just skyrocketed, and when you look at his splits, he's batting 111 this season against left-handed pitching. He's starting to sit against lefties. Um, you know, can this guy be more than a, a 250 hitter with the number of swing and misses in his resume? I mean, I know he's got the power, I know he's got the speed, but how concerned are you about Jazz Chisholm? You know, less concerned now than when I wrote that. Hmm. So uh, Jazz is <laughs> playing. You read your article and just snapped out of it, right? Or wanted to make me to look stupid, which is a lot easier than hitting major league pitching. Uh, <laughs> I can be made to look stupid a lot easier than that. But uh, what he's done really in the last couple of days, number one, he started twice against left-handed pitching back-to-back. That's a mm-hmm. big deal, right? Yeah. Because platoon Jazz is is too volatile to really want on your roster. I don't think you have a choice, but you wouldn't want it. He's also really pulled the strikeouts down. Hmm. Uh, Really, I mean, mostly, I mean, just lately even, but in the month of August, it's, I mean, it's still like 30 something percent, but his last like six games, it's down, right? Hmm. You know, he had a couple games with no strikeouts this weekend. Um, That's a big deal. 
right? He's stolen two bases recently. He hadn't been doing like he hadn't actually stolen any in the month of August until his last couple of games. Uh, but he's got two of them in his last five games. He's got a home run. Uh, he's got some hits. I'm I am warming up to this again. Now, again, uh, the ratios, I think, will always be a concern. Right. And you're just hoping that the power and speed make that not so much of an issue because this guy's going to play like 80 games this season if he stays healthy and he's going to have like 16 home runs and 20 stolen bases mm. or more. Right. He might even have like 25 stolen bases yeah. the way this guy can run. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's a really interesting player because it's it's all like it's all power speed, terrible ratios. We don't see that as much in the game anymore, mm-hmm. um, but it it's out there. So he's some, he's someone that, um, you know, you should definitely keep rostering. Just keep in mind that he will hurt your ratios, but that's also the thing that you're going to make the least impact to for the rest of the way is your overall ratios. Like one guy hitting 250 just doesn't change that much mm-hmm. uh, in your ratios. Ratios are really important, but it's because you really need to build them up. You need a lot of guys hitting high. or like, you need a lot of guys hitting better than your current batting average as a as a fantasy squad to really raise it. And they have to do it for quite a while because you have so many plate appearances in. So I'm not too worried about the ratios for the rest of the season, unless you're in like a weekly league, those weekly head to head leagues. Uh, that's a, that's a bit of a problem, but again, it's a, it's a really volatile uh, category. So you can't worry about it too much. As long as the strikeouts stay around 30%, I think that he still becomes a very, very, very impactful fantasy player because he's just so much power and speed and an improving lineup around him. Mm -hmm. So uh, as we wind down the podcast today, a couple other players just caught my eye off your hitter list. Uh, James Outman, outfielder for the Dodgers, up 16 to overall 97 on the hitter list. You talk about uh, he's getting his strikeouts lowered and uh, walking more and of course, we could talk some Tigers before we leave if you want. You could talk about Kerry Carpenter, who's been uh, smoking, and uh, uh, Jaron Duran down 25 slots to, to 125. And seems like he's been starting to platoon um, versus left-handed pitching. But I'm looking at his platoon splits, and he hits both righties and lefties equally well. But I know he's been slumping lately. But uh, any comments on any of those players or any – player that you want to talk about before we head out yeah sort of so on the opposite end while i'm feeling better about the strikeout rate for jazz chisholm of course james outman has started striking out uh you know quite a bit more Mm -hmm. which is not not what i love uh james outman is actually someone who has a worrisome zone contact rate it's Mm -hmm. part of the reason that he's been so streaky this season um but it's gotten better here in the second half it's still not good but uh, it has gotten better uh, in terms of zone contact. It's up closer to 80% uh, so far in the second half. But, you know, again, that is, that's my main concern, concern with Outman. But, you know, he had stopped the strikeouts for a little while. I was getting kind of excited. And right now, it's really easy to jump from like 125th to 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the back end of the hitter pool between injuries and loss of, you know, roles that players have settled into – like the top of the list is still really kind of like it's harder to move around that much in like the top 75 to 100, but in the backs 50 to 75 guys, it's just, especially at this point in the season when there's so little to project and this is a rest of season ranking kind of deal, you just burn and churn. Like so many guys are going to come in and out. It's just part of the way this time of year works. 
So don't be shocked if, you know, Outman has a terrible first half of the week and I move him down a bit again, you know, certainly outside the top 100 because you just, I just don't have that much time to wait for him to get better. Uh, and then as far as the Tigers guys, man, that offense is churning right now. Uh, the Tigers, at least in the middle of that lineup between Torkelson and with Kerry Carpenter. Yeah. Kerry Carpenter uh, was the feature. I put him at 130. He's certainly going to move up because he just keeps hitting home runs. Uh, the guy is, has just been fantastic. Uh, lately, I I'm a big fan. I mean, he actually closed. Kerry Carpenter closed the season like this last year as well. Yeah. Uh, he's he's hit very well when he's been healthy. Uh, he's played 80 games, hitting 281 uh, with a 343 uh, OBP, 519 slug. The expected stats pretty much say that this is all about right as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's as far as those, you know, big red flags I was talking about the line drive rate, it's under 20%. So it might even be a little unlucky on that side. Uh, the zone contact up above 85%. Love to see that. So the carpenter hot streak is one that I'm certainly buying into partly because I really want to partly because <laughs> everything is there, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of the stuff that you want to see from a player who's hot to tell you that, Hey, this is something this guy could keep doing. It's all there. He's making, you know, he's hitting the strikes, right? He's cutting the strikeouts down, which means he's getting more chance. He's getting more strikes to see that he can hit. He hits the ball hard. It's not a bunch of lucky line drives that are just sort of finding their way into grass when he's getting hits. They are big hits, Mm -hmm. right? He's hitting the ball awfully hard. So uh, definitely if someone hasn't picked up Kerry Carpenter in your league for some reason, I think you absolutely need to. This is a guy who I think he could actually be a, a decent, I mean, he's going to get to, I, he's played 111 games. So less than a full season in his career. He has 23 home runs. I think he'll get to about 23 home runs uh, this season. If not a little more, if he stays hot, he'll finish the season with about 110 games. I think he'll have another 20 something home runs in a full season. This guy's a threat to hit 30 Kerry mm-hmm. Carpenter. So, uh, he's probably the one I'm I'm really excited about, especially because he's improved on a lot of things from last season that seems sort of flaky. He didn't actually have a great hard hit rate last season. Expected stats did not love what he was doing. That's all different this season. He's been much, much better. Uh, I'm very excited about Kerry Carpenter, not just for this season either. I think he's someone going into next year that you should really be paying attention to. Guy's only 25 years old. He'll be 26 here pretty soon. Um, there, there's a real decent, I think there's a really decent, power outfielder here who's relevant in all formats maybe not like a high-end guy but there's someone he's someone that we're going to care about next year's in next Mm. year's drafts 34 home run 82 rbi 162 game average for kerry carpenters yeah so so yeah definitely next year he's going to be on my radar and i guess it's only right that i let you talk about your tigers because i spent the first uh, several minutes of our podcast crying into my coffee about my yankees so you know, oh, wait, hold on. I got one more. I got to got to talk about. You can't add him yet because uh, he sits against lefties. But guess who's leading off for the Tigers these days? Our Badu. dear old friend, Akil Badu. <laughs> yeah. uh, he is he's doing decent. So Badu, again, this is more of a deep league play. He's got some speed. He's got a little bit of pop. Um, he does strike out more than I like. And he's not walking. The uh, His walks kind of come in waves. Uh, I think it's mostly based on when guys are, you know, when pitchers are attacking him different ways, but he does have uh, two home runs in his last six games and a stolen base. Going to keep hitting at the top of the lineup against righties in DFS leagues, um, leagues where, you know, that are very deep. He's certainly someone to look at, especially when the Tigers are facing righties, which they do all the time. Mm. Um, 
just before we leave, you have anything you want to say about Jaron Duran? Just because I, I mentioned them before that you you dropped them twenty five slots. Yeah, so Duran, a guy, so he does not have contact problems. He doesn't really have like this bloated line drive rate that is especially concerning. Um, it's a little high, but it's not. Again, the thirty percent is really where I'm concerned. Jaron Duran sprays the ball everywhere, hmm. and uh, it it kind of means that he's been really, really streaky this season. Normally you'd expect that to, to be better. And he, he, he has improved his hard hit rate quite a bit this season, Jaron Duran. But the problem is it hasn't improved his barrel rate. And the reason is because he hits a lot of balls uh, on the ground. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Duran, man, I, I want to be excited about him when, when he's good. Uh, and he was for quite a while there. Uh, he's actually done that twice this season, but now he's in the slump part. So I don't have time to wait. Yeah. And that's really the thing with Duran is the upside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The upside's just not high enough. There's speed there. So if you're really chasing speed, I think he can still steal some bases, but like there's certainly not any power to his game. And he's, he's just not someone that in a 12 team league, especially like a Yahoo one with three outfielders. I'm not really waiting around for him to turn it around this Mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to move on, especially if I need some pop. Okay. Great analysis as always, Scott, and that's the kind of analysis you could expect uh, from the hitter list, which comes out uh, every week, late in the week. And uh, Scott also hosts the pitcher list Reddit AMA on Fridays. That I think that starts at noon, Scott. Yeah, Fridays? sometimes yeah. a little later because uh, mm-hmm. I I get wrapped up in other stuff like my real job or babies or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, please please come out to that and just. Just join in the conversation. You don't actually have to ask anything. You can answer other people's questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people are always like, oh, I'm not Scott. But I'm like, I don't care if you're not Scott. Like, we're here to talk about fantasy baseball when lots of places have stopped doing that. Yes. So, uh, you know, I I do get, you know, I I put the same amount of effort into that as I do any article. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we get, I get questions about things like, you know, what strategies would you, you know, are you taking towards the end of the year? as a lot of us split our focus between football and baseball. Yeah. And you know, my, my quick advice on that, you know, for this would just be like, you can't focus as much on baseball anymore, but that's okay because most of your roster set, right? You only have a couple moving spots at this point. So get a watch list for guys that would replace those, right? Like you should have probably like one or two outfielders in your watch list hmm. uh, in case you need to replace a Jaron Duran. You should have, you know, if you've been streaming pitchers, you should have a couple of guys that are sort of in there just kind of looking around. Right, mm-hmm. either because they have some soft upcoming schedules, or because they've got really good stuff, or they're coming off the injured list, like a Nick Lodolo. Get them, you know, get them in that watch list, and you know that's that way you don't need to check every single transaction, every single piece of news. You can just focus on the stuff that is actually going to impact your roster. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is Scott Chu. If you go to Twitter.com, you'll find him at If the Chu Fits. At the same website, you could find me at Joe Galina. Uh, would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And uh, as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>